0: Hi, y'all. Get ready to be woke on Woke Wednesday.
1: Welcome to IntelliGoji with Tracy Browder, where together we will disrupt educational normalcy. Y'all, I always say I'm so excited, but gosh, I am really, really excited today. Um, This is Woke Wednesday. It's actually the first episode of Woke Wednesday. And today we have with us the one, the only, the Staff Room Podcast, the Drive with Chan Pav, Hurricane I could go (laughs) on and on and on. So what's up, Staff Room Podcast?
2: Hey, Tracy, how are you?
0: Hi, Tracy.
1: Hi, so glad y'all are here. Let me do a quick introduction um, about Chan Pav. They, They, first of all, have hearts of pure gold. They are the most genuine, passionate, electric, on fire for education and helping others. Um, Two of the kindest people I've ever met. And believe it or not, we've only met on social media. And that's the beauty of education in these these new um, digital professional learning networks. And that could be a whole different conversation. So, Chan Pav are um, the world's first. Can I is that an accurate statement? I think mm-hmm. it is. I World think so. Ed- that's yeah. so awesome. So, um, I'm going to let you talk about that for a minute because I could go on and on. But let, let's let's let you tell the listeners uh, briefly what you do, and then we'll dive into our conversation.
2: Sure, sounds good. Well, we are educators first and foremost. We are both middle school teachers. And uh, we've started a podcast a couple of months ago, and uh, since then, the journey has sort of escalated into so many different other things. Uh, the podcast was mainly a way for us to offer some commentary on, on any, anything educational that's happening in our world at the time. So things that are happening in the classroom, things related to students, um, things related to us as teachers – And then branching off from that, we've connected uh, with so many people on Twitter like you, Tracy, and so many other people in our professional learning uh, network. And then we started The Drive, which is, uh, you know, through Voice Ed Radio with Stephen Hurley. And, um, you know, it's a a morning radio show uh, where we are able to introduce some music into the mix while we talk about education. And, And that is in itself Pretty innovative, I think, because uh we haven't come across anything like that. So I think you're I think you're right with that statement that it might be the world's first. So uh it's a it's a fantastic morning show and uh we, we offer so much in terms of educational conversation just related to current events. Um but then we also get to mix it in with music and a lot of fun chatter as well. Che, add to that.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, to the core, we're two middle school teachers, uh, and this is our passion. This is our fire, and the podcast was a chance for us to share our voice to ourselves, mostly to be self-reflective of our practice. So when Friday night rolled around, it you know, you, sometimes you love to just rush home, but we would rush home right after we rushed recording a, a podcast episode. So just the the internal self reflection was the key, but. As you both of you mentioned, authenticity really resonates with people, and so people will gravitate to your voice because they connect with what you're saying, not because anything you're saying is profound, but what you're saying is resonating with how other people are feeling and There are so many great people out there, Tracy, like yourself, and we've connected with some of the same people, the school rubric crew, um the voicehead radio, they pick up on that authenticity and then they thrive with it so the the drive. Pat, you were very generous to say might because Stephen Early's told me there is nothing like this out there. There There's nothing more. It's an original project. Is it in depth? Is it super serious? No. But you know what? Us as educators, sometimes we just want to talk a little bit of teaching, share a cup of coffee and listen to some music together. And we are radio's first educational DJs. And when Stephen Hurley was sort of setting us up, you know, and we love podcasting. Our bread and butter is podcasting and the way we've connected with people with podcasting. So don't, so don't get too fixated on this statement. But Stephen said, listen, listen, Jay, path, Any, Anyone can have a podcast, but do you have a radio show? And then we said, okay. It was probably his way of convincing us to buy a little bit more equipment because you had to have better gear to do that. But right. that, that's been our journey. It was teaching self-reflection podcast People connect with what you're saying, and then by networking and being authentic, so many great people come out and say, "I'd love for you to try this. How can I support? How can I do this?" Even if I think of the school rubric connection, every time we talk with them, it's always, "How can we support you?" It's always their first question: "How can we support you, Stephen Hurley? How can we support you?" So we can say, "We're the drive. We're not the drive. We we just run the mics, like to get set up for that." Stephen Hurley drove down to our school, gave us equipment, gave all the the right tabs on what to buy, and then we were ready to go. So yeah, Pat, you nailed it. That's been our journey. We're two teachers that podcast and have a live radio show and we're having a great time connecting and building and and, um, just giving our our small little voice to education and then hearing other, everyone else's small little voice. And then all those small voices, they build to something so much more impactful.
1: You're so right. You know, this whole thing, you mentioned several things that I just love both of you. Um, it is the authenticity. It is um, just being real and and speaking from our hearts. And I, I do feel like that's what that's what resonates with people. And and you also nailed it. We're standing on the shoulders of some strong, big hearted people. Uh, the platforms that we've been blessed with, um, literally blow me away. Sometimes I'm sitting in my office and I'm just smiling, and somebody will walk in the door and they're like. What is it? I'm I'm just I'm thankful. I'm happy. I'm thankful. I'm overjoyed. Like literally sometimes I'm just in awe. Um, So we we just have to keep amplifying those voices and also giving the platform to other people. And you guys are excellent at sharing your space and bringing others up along with you. So I applaud you for that. Um, You know, we're going to get in our conversation, but I have to say this, too. One thing that I think is really special about um, the drive with Che and Pav on voice ed radio is oftentimes if, if, if a husband and a wife are not both educators, like I'm a teacher and my husband's in insurance, I can't always come home. I can't really, if I, if I come home and try to talk to him about work, I have to build this whole story, you know, but with, with the drive, you're connecting educators across the globe and we all get each other. We all get it. There, there's no explanation. You know, we, you give us a theme like balance was last week and, and it's a good way for all of us to share what we're feeling. Like mine was under pressure. And, and if people are just stressed or chilling, you give us that platform to express how we feel and, and we all understand and we get it. So I think that's the beauty of, of the drive with Chan Path. So Thank you, guys. Now, listeners, you can see why they are the first guests on Woke Wednesday. Uh, Strong vision, (laughs) strong passion. Let's dive into our topic today. I want to talk about the revolutionization of education. And I don't know why that resonates with me so deeply, other than the fact that here's the way I see COVID-19, and you guys can, can piggyback and say what your perspective is. I knew when when we were approaching spring break, that's when the reality started setting in that we knew COVID-19 was really becoming a global global pandemic. We knew that it was going to affect every state, every country, every province. We we knew it was gonna have those global implications, wow. So we started seeing the reality starting spring break that we likely were not going back to school. So there was this, when the decision was made, there were so many emotions, it was like we were almost thrown into pandemonium and panic. And then we had to kind of figure it out. So there's all this adrenaline, and there's all the figuring out, and then there's the emotions, and then there's grief, and then there's reality. There's all these things that we are still experiencing in real time. But it's almost June, and in a couple of months, school will be starting back again. So how do we how do we come off of this emergency crisis mountain that we've been on and get ready to transition into the beginning of learning for students? Um, because right now we're, this happened a couple of months at the end of the school year. So if, if there was a silver lining in it, it was that, that we built relationships with kids. We, we've established the trust, we, we've poured into them a lot. Um, but but the beginning of the year brings a totally different set of factors to consider. So with all of those factors to consider, learning in a new way, because I don't see us going back, can you share with us some insight and perspective and and, and guidance on all of that? How do we make sense of that?
2: That's a, it's a very interesting question and it's very deep because it does require a lot of different perspective to, I think, to be able to really fully encapsulate what all of that is going to look like. Um, You know, something that you mentioned was, you know, the stages of grief. And I think that we're all experiencing that loss right now. And, uh, and, and the way that stages of grief work, it's not, you know, like a linear set that you go through and then, and then you're finished with grieving. We're cycling back through these stages of grief as we go through the process. And so we're going through a lot of change and every time there's, you know, new things being thrown at us, like, you know, um, the possibility of not going back to the normal classroom setting in September, um, that kind of throws us back into those stages of grief once more. And then as you come out of, out of that, um, you sort of have to establish what it could possibly look like. And so I think it's important for us to recognize that those, that cycle is going to continue even throughout the summer. And it may possibly still be there in September, but I think that we all recognize that now is a great time for us to start having that conversation about what should we expect in September and you know if if we're not all going back at the same time or if we're you know going to have our our desks spaced out six you know 6 feet apart and and we're not going to be moving around the school very much like how is that going to look and we've seen different places around the world that have started to implement some of these strategies and i think it's going to be important to see what other places around the world are doing and what they're finding success in and something that um, has really been, you know, working for us is being connected to educators around the world and participating in professional development sessions where um, you can hear those perspectives in real time to really be able to, you know, wrap your mind around what, what it's going to look like and what can we possibly try and where it's going to go from here. So I think the emotions, the roller coaster is still pretty, you know it's it's going up and down all the time, and we're still going through those stages. but but I think we're doing the right thing in talking about it and possibly coming up with some uh, with some solutions or some strategies um, in the now that we can possibly put to use in September.
1: Right. Jay, what are your
0: thoughts? I always agree entirely with Pav. Um, because that's, that's what the hurricane does. Well,
1: that's what you, you know, have to do.
0: Does <laughs> <laughs> not matter. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> um, I wish I had an answer. I wish I had a clear idea of what's happened, but because I don't is why I know I'm in the right spot because I'm thinking and thinking should be a little bit uncomfortable or unsure. If I had a clear path, if there was a yellow brick road to a solution, then it probably wasn't a problem. Uh, this is a problem. This is a, a new horizon. So knowing what I want to do, where I want to go, I actually don't know. Uh, do I have a solution? I actually I don't have a solution, but I know I'm thinking on it. Uh, I know I'm looking across the world to see what's going on. Uh, Tracy, when we think of where we are, we're in Toronto. We in Canada, we're a little bit, a little slower. Like it, it, the wave sort of came across the West. Um And so we didn't cancel as fast as you guys canceled. There was a little bit of a delay, and then our school year doesn't end. Like I know a lot of the states, they're all about to end. We still have another six weeks. In Ontario, we haven't even announced that we're not going back this year. That's still potentially on the table. Although we know it's not really on the table. But when you sort of you can't plan forward, like we at the moment are talking about graduation, but we can't officially talk about graduation because we can't acknowledge that the year's not going to finish yet. So you have these half plans for graduation. So. That gives us a little bit of a delay to see what's going on. And then, as I'm sort of rambling a little bit, the province beside us has actually already gone back. And this is a great example for us to see what's going on because you're right. The way they have gone back into school, no gym, no library, no outside recess, kids not moving around. Is this really something we want to go back to? I I don't know if – if i do i don't know if we can um and then we talk about our context we're we live in toronto it's a very dense city and we think of how remote learning has worked i i don't have any stats and this is part of the problem of trying to decide what to do is we have no empirical data we haven't collected anything to truly know what's working what's not working i anecdotally could tell you right now that my class as a whole Isn't producing or creating great levels of work the way we were before? Is that a reflection of my teaching practice? Is that a reflection of what's going on at home? I don't know, but because I don't know, it's very tough to decide what you want to do. Sort of off the top of my head, I'm almost thinking you're rotating kids through, you're doing three days at school, you're doing two days remotely. But in order to facilitate that, you need an infrastructural change. The board we work on is a huge board. It's the third biggest board in North America. And we're still rolling out devices to people because you're trying to roll out 40,000, 50,000 devices to get people with the right gear. So when you're thinking, what am I doing next year? Well, I would almost say we're thinking rotation in the school, outside the school, that blended approach there would be part of it. But as a gym teacher, I'm thinking, what, what what's going to happen to gym? I don't think we've even had any direction. What happens with a gym class? What happens with a music class? What happens with our library spaces? Like, There's so many unknowns. We have no practical examples to know what to do. We have no empirical data to really know what's working, what's not working. So I'm left thinking, I don't know, but I know I have lots of ideas in my head of what was working anecdotally, what's not working anecdotally, and some fears of what things could possibly look like I don't know what a gym class could look like. What could a volleyball tournament look like in the future? Can you even have a volleyball tournament?
1: Wow. You know, and, and Chay, you said a couple of things that I think will resonate with everybody. It's okay that we don't know. I don't think any of us knows because I think this is, things are changing you know, initially I would say things were changing by the moment, but I think things are changing like weekly in terms of decision-making processes. And a lot of areas are kind of, well, let's, let's just wait, let's wait and see. So there's all these contingency plans. And I think that brings anxiety to a lot of educators. Um, But that that's one thing that I plan on talking about in my upcoming school rubric webinar is we have to get to a place where, and this is going to be so hard, But we have to have peace with uncertainty and peace with the unknown and patience. And I think once we absorb that concept, then we can start processing and thinking. And not, I think right now, because I, I feel like we're still in crisis mode. Now there's a new crisis mm-hmm. of how do we return? And so there's this crisis mindset that we're all spinning in. So my, my new phrase has become push pause. If we just push pause for a minute and just really chunk things, you know, like Che, you said, how does how does the actual return itself look? Decisions to be made. Is it blended learning? Are we at school? Is it half the school population is there on on alternating days and the other half? So those upfront conversations. And then I think it would be really smart if, if the administration and our governing boards would push out some communication to families, whether it's via Zoom, Skype, something. So you know, I've been thinking about this a lot. I keep thinking in my head, wow, when we go back before we even move anywhere in the building, we're going to have to meet in the classroom and talk about what that looks like. You know, is the principal going to be on Zoom and is pushing out in classrooms in real time? But what if that happened in advance? What if we connected with families at home to talk about what it's going to look like at school? I feel like that would alleviate so much anxiety and really take the burden off of off of everybody, you know, people at home aren't aren't so stressed about what is it going to look like, um, and then teachers aren't really worried about delivering that piece of the content. It's been delivered, and now we just support it. So I feel like that would take a layer off of us, but but chunking the decisions and and compartmentalizing, I think, would give us a little bit more peace than just thinking about the whole the whole picture. It, it's really too much.
2: Yeah, you're right. And, and I think also because everything is moving so fast, right? All of these things, like, as you said, they're, they're just weekly changes, things that are happening, their changes are happening on a dime. And, uh, and even from the top down, how do you prepare for something like that? You know, especially in boards, the size of ours, districts that are huge, um, you know, these, these sorts of communications that have to come out to families They require a lot of planning and work and they require a lot of research. You know, what is happening um, with these schools that have gone back? What's working with those schools that have gone back and what's not working? What do we want to try that might make things a little bit easier? I love the idea of communicating to families and parents and students before we go back so that that layer is removed for the teachers, because once we are back, the teachers are going to have all kinds of other things to to manage and deal with, um, on top of delivering the curriculum. So, you know, that, that would be a fantastic way to start. What will that look like is the question that I keep having in my mind, you know, like where, where are they going to be able to make, or how will they able to make those decisions for, for the entire board? And if they do cycle through, as Che mentioned, you know, a couple of days on a couple of days off, how do we decide what days and, you know, and, and what will it look like when we are actually all there? Are we all going to be there together? Or is it going to be, you know, half the class Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and the other the other half the other days, you know, just to space the children out a little bit more? There's so many things, so many factors to consider. Um, and, and just because everything is moving so quickly, it's really difficult to wrap your head around it before it changes it again. So um, I think from the administrator's point of view, from the the district point of view, that's in itself a lot to work with.
1: Um, che, you mentioned the whole piece about infrastructure changes. And something resonated with me when you said that is, you know, I teach one group of kids all day. You guys don't. Um, you don't. And, mm-hmm. and that just brings a completely different vantage point. Um, honestly, a concern about safety and health of everybody. Um, so so what do those rotations look like? Is it, I mean, do kids not have certain classes every day? Um, how on earth do we make all of these decisions in such a short amount of time?
0: I think our school, our their their initial backup plan is just to get rid of rotary, which is simple enough to just make that statement. But then then resources become again your infrastructure because now you need to resource every room, every teacher. Like it, it doesn't, it's not just a snap of the finger. Oh, we won't rotate. Well, gym guy who teaches English and gym for the last four years doesn't have a set of science gear, doesn't have a, a, an expertise in science. So all of a sudden you might have to invest in a lot more PD. You certainly have to invest in a lot more resources. Um, if I double back. Um, I'll think of myself as Dennis Rodman because often he'll comment on stuff that the interviewer hasn't actually asked him. Um, The flip of the coin, the flip of the coin, because this has happened so late – We've been able, granted the ability to test things out um, because we didn't need to build relationships with kids. We didn't need to build a schedule for kids. We didn't need to mark stuff. Um, We were able to go and explore new programs. We were able to say, well, just work on feedback rather than giving out grades. Um, We were able to benefit the fact that we knew all our kids. So, even the evidence we're pulling up here isn't authentic because we're going to start next year completely fresh. Where are we really not? Are we really going gradeless? Because I think I know in, the, in our board, we haven't been – there is no grades. There is no assessment, right? You can only improve your, your mark um, basically through anecdotal and observational work. But we're we're granted this ability because it's so late in the year. Because if it were to go wrong, we have a foundation of marks and standardized tests and assessment. So the flip of the coin is everything that made it easier for us to transition now is all eliminated next year. And yet no one knows how to do that. I I'm a pretty good team builder, but the hurricane thrives in the audience. Um, I can tell you my kids maybe don't perform as well as the online world, but let's be authentic. Maybe I don't perform as well in the online world. Like when I'm on the computer, I don't have quite the same energy, zest, running around the room, my mobility. Like I'm all over – like I buzz around my space. So uh, all these things to consider and ponder next year that everything that's allowed us to test things, test new resources – Even if I jump again in our school, like, go out and test new resources. Wait, wait, wait. Don't go and test a resource that you're going to have to pay for next year. What's the value in learning how to use something for three weeks and then being told your school infrastructure next year, saying, oh, no, we're not paying for that. Then why did you tell me to use it last year? Because we've been provided this free opportunity and we're using it well, but then we're also being a little misguided in the sense – I don't want to test any free resource, no matter how great it is. If I know my school doesn't have the infrastructure to support it next year, that's not maximizing my teaching. I will maximize the Google Suites because I know my board's going to have it and it's a great resource. So I'm thinking next year we will have like a, some foundation of what to build on, but all the things that have allowed us to do remote learning relatively well aren't in place next year. How do you meet into be? Uh, meet your students, build that class culture, have that vibe. And then how do you duplicate it or how do you blend it into remote learning? I don't know what a class would look like if I were to take my students that are coming into my room next year that I don't really know all of a sudden. And then I want to facilitate this remote learning. Like it works because of all the work we've done beforehand. But if we're not granted that opportunity, Again, what's the solution? Oh, I have no idea what the solution is. I just know I'm thinking and I know my thought is making me all over the place. And which is a good thing. Cause that, that's what I want. I want to be thinking, but it's the flip of the coin. Like there's so much that is so new next year for remote learning and everything we've learned in this brief month or two months, is not totally authentic to what it's going to be like to start a year in a remote environment.
1: Absolutely. You know, as you were talking, you made me think of something else and I keep wanting to ask this question, but the educator in me is like, no, 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 no. don't even think of that. But I have to ask this question. Is learning last? And here's what I mean. Given everything you just said, we don't know how we're going back, but we know we're going back in some form. Um, We know there's not going to be a I don't think there's going to be a vaccine or a cure or anything by the time we go back to school. So the reality is that coronavirus will still be viable. Um, you know, we—I know many, many families. Right? You know, I live where I teach, and I know several families who um, every member of the household has had the virus. Um, several people are in the medical profession law enforcement, working in grocery stores, um, and, and, and rules have been lifted. And so people are kind of getting back out there and mixing and mingling. So when we do return, there's the likelihood of an increase. Um, so I, I feel like families are still going to have so many other concerns, um, it's, we're not just returning to school, you know, there's still this other piece. Um, And, and so how do we, how do we meet the emotional trauma? How do we, you know, there's going to be kids and educators coming back who have lost loved ones. Um, I've been following the news a lot and a lot of um, principals and assistant principals. um, We've lost some due to COVID-19. Um, so there's so much more to consider There's so much more that's going to be in our faces when we go back to school. I just don't see teaching and learning being the first thing, but I know that kids thrive on normalcy. And, and even though most kids hate school, (laughs) this is going to be the one thing they're looking forward to. And I think they're going to have devastation that it's going to be different and we're going to be grieving and suffering. And so, just is learning last or where does learning fit with all of these other emotions? there's just a whole new layer of mental health that comes with this transition back to school. How do we manage that? What conversations need to happen?
2: It's a, it's, it's a really heavy piece. It's really a lot to think about. And you're right that that social, social, emotional, that emotional piece is going to be huge. Um, and you know, what I keep thinking about is we're going to have to start the year offering a lot of grace to everybody around us, all of the teachers that are around us, the administrators, and especially the students, because, you know, if, from what we saw in regards to the anxiety levels of our students, before we even left for spring break, we left for spring break, and then we didn't come back after that. And, um, the anxiety levels for many of these students was so big at that time. We can only imagine what it's going to be like when they come back. Many of them won't, many of them won't want to because they will be fearful of, you know, potentially getting sick if they haven't been already. And, uh, and then many of them will be suffering that loss, as you mentioned. And so how do we, how do we deal with that? I think it's going to be important for us to spend extra time at the beginning of the year, as many educators already do, getting to know our students and helping them with that SEL piece and and then potentially introducing, you know, the learning slowly into the mix and and trying to achieve that balance. I mean, it's part of what we really wanted to have that conversation about on the drive this past week how do we achieve balance now? And then what is that balance going to look like when we come back? Um, Definitely, it's going to be a big piece. And and it's something it's almost something that you you want to be thinking more about, but it's heavy, it's going to be a lot to deal with. And so how do we approach that? I don't know. I mean, this is part of our conversation and part of, you know, some of the strategies that we might want to try. But I certainly can't expect my students to be doing a very good job of learning new content, if their heads are not in the right space. And I think that mindfulness and, you know, just being more in tune with your emotions and the awareness part of it all is going to have, it's going to have to be a big piece of our at school environment, just so that we know that our students are okay to get into that learning mind frame. And um, I think that that'll be a big piece Chay, I saw you scribbling some notes, so you must have something to say.
0: I don't, I don't take notes often, but I've been making, I'm making lots of notes. It <laughs> looks more like a sketch note than notes. Um, I wrote down that learning is healing. Uh, do I know it's right? I don't know, but I'm thinking learning is healing, and I think connecting to both, what both you're saying—that normalcy back to to learning. But then I wrote learning, the core of learning, uh, reading, creating exploring uh, more of that mastery-based uh, framework so that the learning becomes part of the healing in itself so we don't compartmentalize everything that I need to take care of your social and emotional then I'll learn no I can embed and take care of your social and emotional with a really great lesson I think that how I build class culture and like class culture is not separated from the lessons I build the lessons I build connect themselves to a really healthy vibrant class culture so I as you guys were both talking I just jotted down Learning is healing. And then I did, you know, a little arrow down and said, but that learning isn't necessarily got to do page 17, question one through three in my math textbook. It was the idea of reading, creating, exploring, uh, playing. Uh, Now, how that looks, I don't know, right? There's so many things to consider. But when I thought about, you know, what's that return to normalcy, I had that in my mind. And then, of course, context always matters. And, Pav, you and I know in our community, you, you, like, you don't want to overstate. Our kids really are fearful. Our kids – I think a big majority of our student population lives in a house or an apartment that houses their entire family, aunts, uncles, grandparents. That's the majority of our community. And so when they come to school and they're fearful of COVID-19, it's not so much that they're fearful. They're fearful for their family. They're fearful for the people that they know they're in contact with. They are really in tune with that. And I don't know what that looks like in everyone's community, but I know in our community, our student population most of our student population lives in a house, in an apartment where there are seven, eight, nine people in, the, in those places, and they're very fearful. So you are right. When we come back to school, our kids are fearful for themselves, but they are really in tune and in touch with their family, and they, want to, and they do want to be exceptionally safe. So you brought up a couple of great things you both have, and then, like I said, I just jotted down, learning is healing, and maybe you just bring the learning down to more basics of reading exploration creativity play and use that to be your springboard and i think tracy and you you both said that normalcy really kids thrive on normalcy and consistency as much as kids say i don't want to be at school oh no you just say you don't want to be at school i know you love being at school one of my first principals said no matter what they give you don't don't judge what they give you on the surface they want to be there and they want to be in your space and they're giving you your best every single day
1: absolutely absolutely you know, guys, I, I mentioned early on about um, that we need to communicate this concept more of having peace and and accepting that things are evolving and changing and being patient. And I actually have more peace because of this conversation. And here are my takeaways. Um, you know, things are going to change. We know that. Um, we are resilient. And Che, you said it best. Learning is healing. I wrote an article that was published in school rubric about it's okay to not be okay. Mm -hmm. And I struggled. I I worked on that article for months because there were so many emotions and I'm like, what, what is, what are people supposed to get from this? What? So yeah, we're in COVID-19, but what's my purpose? What's my point in this article? And I will walk away and, and, not give up, but just walk away from it because I didn't have answers. And then I would come back and I would sit down and write a little bit and just pour out my heart. I'd hit that same roadblock. I'd walk away and come back. And then I kept pushing. I kept pushing. I never gave up. And then finally, one time when I sat down, oh, it just flowed. And I got all the way to the end. And at the end, I was talking about resilience and not giving up. And yeah, we have pain, look it in the face and go ahead and realize and acknowledge and give it its credence. And then how do you move on from that? And Mm -hmm. so I look back, that whole article was about going through pain, but not staying there, being resilient because of the pain. And that's exactly what we're experiencing right now. This has happened. We're going to move forward. This is how we're going to move forward. It's going to look different but together we can do it and i think if we just embrace that mindset we'll all be okay agreed i don't
0: know just such peace that's all you got is i agree like there's a lot so much to there's so much to just absorb on that like just yeah, there's it, a lot it's Just the idea, you know, as you're talking, I put it down into gym guy terms, and you're you're speaking. I'm drawing connection, right? What can I connect to that that puts a message to me? And I think of Star Trek V, and Pav's like, what? Star Trek V? (laughs) Star Trek V, where Captain Kirk goes... I need my pain. I don't want you to wave it away with a magic wand. And you were talking. I was thinking, yeah, like the pain, the suffering, the and I don't want to trivialize it, but the the angst actually pushes me forward. It drives me forward. It gives me something to know I want to overcome. So, you know, as a student, you know, how do I cognitively know how I understood? I made that quick connection to my little Star Trek movie, and then I bring it right back here. Is that everything that we go through, I don't want to just get rid of it because it it propels me forward. I know when I go back to my space, go back to my teaching. I've accumulated a vast array of new tools to be a better teacher in the remote world. And I probably never would have got there if we hadn't gone through these struggles. And so when you mentioned that, I made that ridiculous you know, connection, but then brought it back here that – There are benefits to going through the pain or or having a bad lesson or not being able to connect with your kids. It refined the type of feedback I was giving. It refined the activity that I was just doing in my class. I refined it to do it remotely. I've learned how to use Screencastify. I can get on a Zoom call in 30 seconds. (laughs) Six months ago, I would have said, Zoom, pardon me, I'm out. Someone just take notes for me. So You know, And the,
1: the same thing that you just said about us, it's true for our kids too they've been yeah. resilient and don't even realize it like boom you know
2: yeah they have they've picked up on uh, on all of the changes and they've adapted their their own lives despite what their environment might be like at home because we don't know we don't know we can't we can't control that environment mm-hmm. yet they've been able to do that and they have been thriving just as much as we have and so, yeah, you, you said it perfectly. I did say just agree because, right, as soon as Tracy finished talking, uh, everything froze on the screen. So I thought, oh I boy. <laughs> um, so.
0: Don't worry, Tracy. I'm used to past panicking all the time when the tech doesn't work. Gym guy becomes tech guy in a, when something's not working.
2: Oh, yeah. You know, Next time that happens, I'll document it. And I know you guys don't,
0: so don't videotape I it.
1: Listen. When we have, you know, the little glitches and stuff. So I know exactly how you two are going to respond. That's kind of why I just hung back a little bit. <laughs> so, so guys, to wrap this up, I think I'm so glad we did this. I'm so glad we had this conversation because, you know, my biggest takeaway in all of this, when we go back to school, this whole revolutionization of education, the bottom line, we need to celebrate resiliency. Yeah, That's exactly. It. That's our focus, not... Not just staying in the space. Yes. The, the, the emotional trauma, the social, emotional learning, all of that's real, but by celebrating the resilience, we acknowledge the struggle.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's yes. how we move forward.
2: Of course. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I agree. That's wow. the swag bag. That's <laughs> the swag right. bag from this PD session right there. I'm taking that with me. And, and that's what good conversation does. Like there's As I always said, if there was an easy answer, then you really weren't thinking, or really wasn't a problem. This is a problem. The the solution's not simple. And walking away from a conversation with no clear, like everyone says, only bring solutions. You didn't have a problem if you can bring immediate solutions. That's not a problem if you could have a solution. A problem is when something is so difficult to grapple, and you have so many different little bits of information that they contradict each other, and your conversation can get a little random. But that reflects that, and Pav, you talked about this, there's nothing linear here, there's no examples here, And there's no data to even tell you what's going to work. So the conversation should be all over the place. There shouldn't necessarily be a solution. There's still too much in flux. And that's why resiliency is the key and to celebrate. Because at the end of this all, the key is we are going to have gotten through it.
2: Right. And, And in September, that resiliency piece, it's still going to be there. We're still going to need to be very resilient in September. And so, you know, is it all going to go back to normal and things are going to be fine again? And we made it. No, not necessarily. So yes, I think that is a a very valid takeaway and and definitely a great swag bag piece to end the conversation.
0: We got to let Tracy wrap this up. I'm not sure how to allow someone (laughs) else to wrap it up. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) How do we do that? (laughs) Do do we just, we pass it off? Tracy, thank you so much for inviting us. We've loved the conversation. <laughs> we love everything you bring. We love everything you do. So thank you so much for bringing us on. Continue to do the absolute great work with your podcast, with your writing, uh, with Voice Radio, with School Rubric, with everything you're doing in education. And everything you're doing is magnificent, gets our attention. We love your drive. And we love the fact that we could join you today for this great, rich conversation.
1: Thank you. And I am like, crazy excited that you guys are my first guest on woke wednesday we've been listening and talking to che and pav um, the world's first educational djs and you can check them out every friday morning on voice ed radio and um, che and pav tell us how we can access voice ed and listen to you guys
2: so Voice Ed Radio, uh, they have an app and they have a website where you can listen live. So the app is available in the Apple uh, App Store and also on Google Play. So you can get it onto any of your devices. Um, you can also listen live right from the Voice Ed Radio website as well. On Twitter, we are. Um, you can find us at The Drive Voice Ed. And uh, our pinned tweet has all of the links to uh, to listen to us live. And on the website, you can also access our last 10 archived episodes. If you like us enough, you can go back and listen. Not if you like us enough, you will like the episode enough to go back and listen to the archived episodes.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, guys, We before we close out, um, this is to the listeners. We encourage you to... Definitely follow Chan Pav, jump in on the drive. We have such fun on Friday mornings. There's a coffee crew on Twitter and we keep it lit. Uh, So so join the party on Twitter too. And we also encourage you to check out School Rubric. Their website is schoolrubric.com and they're also um, active on Twitter. Every Saturday morning, they host um, um, a webinar except on Thursday, May 27th, Yep, that's correct. Thursday, May 27th is going to be the first evening webinar. webinar, And I'm the lucky girl that gets to present there. So um, we'll just keep pushing information out. And you guys, listeners, we'd love to have you continue to join us. Che and Pav, thank you so much for being the first guest on Woke Wednesday. And we'd like to thank you for joining Intelligogy, where together we will disrupt educational normalcy. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Woke Wednesday on Intelligogy, the podcast.